0: Are you ready for God's word? Father, we thank you for your word that is sincere and true, that blesses and strengthens each and every one of us. Thank you for your word is life, your word is spirit, and we know that we will be built up and strengthened in the realities of Christ Jesus. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. So our scripture for the year has been Luke chapter 2 verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles. Luke chapter 2 verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles. And this is drawn from the prophetic words that were spoken by Simeon in the temple about Jesus when he was born. That Jesus will be a light that lightens the Gentiles. And the glory of your people Israel. So that statement, a light that lightens the Gentiles means that Jesus is the light that lightens the Gentiles. Now, the Gentile is anyone who is not a Jew, which prophetically God spoke to Abraham and told him that his descendants will be like the stars in the sky. They will be innumerable. And God was referring to to the plan of salvation that will bring all nations to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. All nations, that means billions of people beyond just the Jews, because the Jews are not so many, right? So he was not speaking only regarding a community, but because of the plan of salvation that through Abraham's seed, down generations, which will be Jesus, his descendants shall be like the stars in the sky, the sons of the sea. They shall be so many. Are we together? So, The word lighten, the Gentiles, is speaking concerning Christ's purpose toward you and I, unless you're a Jew here. Any Jews in the building? All right, okay, cool. So that means we are the people that Jesus is going to lighten. Praise the Lord. Now, as we, let me just check if my stylus is on. Good. All right. So in Luke chapter 1 verse 7, so this is the account that happens before the statement is made. There's some beautiful nuggets I would want us to learn. In Luke chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible is speaking about a priest, a high priest by the name of Zachariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, okay? So Zachariah was a righteous man. They were him and his wife Elizabeth were nice people nice people that means if you, if you popped up in their home probably they fixed you a good meal and they welcomed you they were nice and hospitable they were good righteous people and the Bible says and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years so they had no child Because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. That means they had come to the age where it was not biologically possible or biologically um, uh, advantageous to have children. Are we together? All right. You know, if you ever heard of the word teeth and pause. All right. teeth and pose. Uh, it's called menopause. Huh? All right. You get the point, huh? Are you guys getting me? Flowing with me? Nearly my jokes today are not working, huh? All right, cool. So now, um, they couldn't get children. Now, Luke one thirteen continues now the story, how he went into the temple, and he was performing his duties as a priest, and then an angel appeared. And when the angel appeared, he was scared. And then the angel said to him, This is Zachariah. The angel said to him, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Hallelujah. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Alright? Now, last week I told you I felt like the boy child, Alionia, because Both Mary and Zacharias asked a question. How shall this be? How will this happen? But one was considered to be doubt and one was considered to be faith. So as I was meditating upon this, I got actually the answer. Praise the Lord. I got the answer. The answer is right in front of us. Why did the angel interpret Zacharias' question as doubt? Because the angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. So Zacharias was praying about a child. They had been praying about a child. And time went, you know, the scripture says, hope deferred, make it the soul sick. But an answered prayer is a tree of life. When you have waited for a certain kind of answer for so long, sometimes you can be so discouraged that even when the answer comes, you're like, really? Really? You know, you can be so Discouraged, or maybe you you believed God until you moved on. You were like, you know what? Maybe it seems like God has decided it's not going to happen for me. So, I'd rather just move on and face life. You know. So the angel said, "Your prayer is heard." So the angel came with an answer for a prayer. He appeared and told him, "Your prayer has been heard." So what would you expect? Rejoicing and celebration. You would expect, oh my goodness. You would even sing, because you would be celebrating. But then, it appears, beloved, when the angel said your praise, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. That was an answer. You have been believing God for a child. Your prayer has been answered. Your wife shall bear thee a child, and thou shalt call his name John. And not only just a child, a son. Now in their culture, it was indeed a praiseworthy thing when you have a son. And even in traditional African culture, no no, um, no jobs to the women. I'm not taking any um, disregard to the women because I know our mindsets have changed over time. But there's this traditional thing when someone has a son, they feel like my lineage will now continue. You get a point? So it was a son and You will call his name John. And the angel continued and said what this child will be about. All right? He explained some nice things. You know, it's one thing to get a child, and not only just a child, but to also get a child with the prophetic words. Hallelujah. Now imagine in your day, you've just gotten a child. And then a prophet appears and says, or an angel, say, praise God, Kimingi, you're blessed, for your son shall be president. Amen! My God, you know, that's now something that you look forward to. <laughs> all right, as as in our country, the way people think about power. All right? But then, Zechariah asked a question. After the angel explained, now, I want you to go and read those details, because I might not say all of them, all those verses, but between... Between verse 13 and verse 18, the angel spoke about this child prophetically. How this child will be this and this child will be that. You know, uh, this child, you know, it's nice. So you would expect that he would be like, hey, my God, you have answered my prayer. Hey. You know, he would even start singing and dancing. You know, the way Nigerians do that thing as they spin. He would be so excited. The guy asked, and Zachariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? Whereby shall I know this? Or oh, how shall this thing happen? How will I be sure that this thing will happen? If you read the translations, how will I be sure this thing will happen? Why? Because I've been waiting on God for all these years now. Look at me, I'm, I'm aged. Why is God answering me now? Hmm? You know, it's like someone who has been praying, God, open a door for me. Because I would like to play for Arsenal. And then the answer comes when you're 40. You're like, Lord, Really? I'm past the age of playing football. My physical <laughs> fitness or my capabilities physically are past that. I cannot do it. It's impossible. It can't work. Why is the answer coming now when it doesn't seem to be any more relevant? Maybe he had a plan that this child will be born at this time and I will do one, two, three. But then the disappointments came. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. He asked, for I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. It means that biologically it's impossible. Do you know the angel spoke a word but he looked at the natural situation and it was impossible for that situation to happen. You know, it's like a discussion we were having with Zach at the back. Just uh, Sorry to use this, Zach, but you know, like you're, someone sends you an, an application to say, apply for this job and you know, practically speaking, you're not even within that particular qualification. Those kind of situations, you get it. Humanly speaking, it doesn't make sense. Humanly speaking, it doesn't make sense. And then what happened? He said, For I am old and my wife is well stricken in years. Similarly, the angel appeared to Mary. And the angel told Mary about this child that shall be born. And Mary asked, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary was also asking a practical question. How do you say I will have a child, yet I know not a man? Yet I'm not engaging in a man in the natural way that children are supposed to be? Born or conceived. I am a virgin, and you're saying I will have a child. How is this practical? She was asking a question from a very natural perspective. Similarly, Zacharias was asking the same. The only difference, Mary had not been praying. Mary was going about her business, telling people, don't you think my boyfriend is harder than you? You know, that is Joseph. Sorry, like referring to Joseph, you know. And my man, my man, yeah. There's another one that you say, Don't mess with my man. No, 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 no. So, probably that's, I'm, I'm not saying she was singing that, but I would assume she was excited about getting married, all right? She was dreaming about getting married. She was not praying for a child. But Zacharias had been praying for a child. So, when the angel came up, the angel came with an answer for Zacharias but the angel came with a announcement for mary the angel came with an announcement some information some news that was very new for mary like listen god is bringing a disruption in your life and this is what's going to happen i know you've not been praying for it but god is going to bring this but for the other person is you've been praying for this god has finally heard you and god is answering you and the guy was like, how will this thing happen? So I think the angel was like, Yanni, I have with the prince of Persia and all these people to get to you. Alafu <laughs> love attitude. So the angel was like, you will not talk until the day that this child is born. I would assume maybe Gabriel just had a bad day. But on a light note, you, you understand, like, for example, when the angel appeared to Daniel, he had really gone through, what did the angel say? That I, from the very first day you set yourself to pray, there was an answer that was released. But I was hindered by the Prince of Persia. Is that true? Is that true? So there was a hindrance. I'm not saying it's a particular angelic being that arrested him. It could be men. You know, the kingdom of darkness or the forces of darkness also reside in men, just like the kingdom of heaven resides in men. Are we together? So maybe it was a governmental issue. A king who was not willing to budge concerning certain things like Pharaoh, for example. But what I'm saying is, by the time the angel is giving this report, there was a lot of resistance in the time of Daniel. I would assume, after Gabriel has come to give this answer to Zachariah, Zachariah is not really feeling it. And the angel was like, you know what? What did the angel say? And behold... Um, uh, So this is now the angel appearing to, to, to Mary. But before that, the angel told him that he will be unable to speak until the day this child is born. Are we together? Now, interestingly, when the angel now appears to Mary, the angel says something very powerful to Mary. He says, and behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her. Who was called barren? Do you, do you listen to that? The angel is telling her, the one that was called barren for so many years, she's six months pregnant. She's six months pregnant. She was called barren, but now she's six months pregnant. I don't know if I should do it like other pastors. They might have called you barren, but who is God? You know, you get my point. Like, the idea is God has answered. It means that barrenness, old age, was not enough to stop God's intent toward Elizabeth. It means that God's desire and purpose could not be hindered even by natural obstacles. Praise the Lord. Even natural obstacles could not hinder. Hallelujah. Beloved, what are you believing God for? What are your expectations in this life? And do they look grim and hopeless? Or do the natural appearance of things make it look like it's impossible? Is it that you're not qualified? Is it that you feel like you're not good enough for something that you're expecting God for? God does not consult the natural. Model of things or the natural way of things to do his bidding in our lives. Praise be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise be to Jesus. Verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. It means that we can keep on dreaming. We can keep on having great expectations because with God, it is not something That is impossible. Hallelujah. Yes. This is the word of God. It's beautiful to know that with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. So we can have great expectations. We can have big expectations in this life. And we can look at them with joy and excitement. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And Luke chapter 1 verse 45 Says, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she that believed. Blessed is you when you believe, for there shall be a performance of those things which you have heard from the Lord. Hallelujah. There shall be a performance of those things which have been spoken to you from the Lord. There shall be a performance. Don't look At the impossibilities that surround you. There could be natural circumstances that surround you. But don't look at those impossibilities. Because with God it is possible. Hallelujah. That is the life of faith. Praise God. And that's how we live our life. Now, this I say because it's in line with God's intent for a man. It's in line with God's intent for us. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 1 verse 76, 77, 79. This is what the angel said concerning John the Baptist. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto the people by the remission of their sins, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace hallelujah this is concerning john's purpose tied to jesus that john in all that was happening the purpose and the intent was tied to jesus there was faith expressed but the long-term goal was not just the birth of john but the plan of salvation for our lives hallelujah the plan of salvation for our lives so john was so important because he was in line with god's plan salvation Jesus was at the center of these particular events happening now when we talk about Luke chapter 2 verse 32 we say a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel we are going to look at a couple of scriptures why is it a light to lighten the Gentiles why do the Gentiles need to be lit all right is that making sense is that connecting with this generation Why do the Gentiles need to be lit? (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) I'm just trying to put it as simple as possible. Why? Is it because maybe part of the Gentiles in New Africa now, Sissy Melanin, is dominating us? Huh? No, not, not exactly. Listen to what the Bible gave a description of those that were without Christ, which is the Gentiles. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that he henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Now, look at how Gentiles used to walk. In the vanity of their mind. In the vanity. That's why Daddy Owen sang that song, Vanity. eh? Yeah, because we're just walking like useless lives. eh? (laughs) The lives of Gentiles were useless lives. Having their understanding darkened. So they were darkened in understanding. They were alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. Separated from the life of God, ignorant. And their heart was blind their heart was blind. Do you know what a blind heart looks like? A blind heart. Because you know there's the eyes of the heart, your ability to see, not just with the eyes. You know, when you talk about visions, when you talk about dreams, when you talk about perception and understanding and all these things, they are not things that are functioning with the optical eye, but they are things that have to do with the heart. When you talk about your vision for life, when you talk about your dreams, when you talk about your perceptions, your expectations, your hope. Those are not things that are done with an optical eye. They are things that are done with the eyes of the heart. And the Bible is saying that particular place where vision is supposed to be seen, where dreams are supposed to be born, is blind. The blindness of the heart. Hallelujah. says the blindness. The blindness of the heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness. To walk all uncleanliness with greediness, this is the description of a man without Jesus. That he is given past feeling, he is past feeling, is giving himself over to lasciviousness, to walk all uncleanness and greediness, and that could be the description of people that were without Jesus. Ephesians two verse one to three says, "And you have He quickened, you who were dead in trespasses and sins." So the man that is without Jesus is dead in trespasses and sins. In time past you walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the last of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The state of the man without Jesus, ...was hopeless. It was hopeless. We were not a people. We had nothing... ...happening... ...for us. Nothing was going on well for us. You could be physically looking like... ...things are happening for you... ...but spiritually you were lost... ...and you were in darkness. But Jesus is the light... ...that lightens the Gentiles. The man that is blind in his heart... ...the man that is feeling. ...the man that is given to lasciviousness and all evil work... The man that is filled with darkness. The man that is walking in vanity of his mind. The mind, the man that, whose heart is taken away from God. He's separated from the life of God. Jesus came to make that particular man something. Jesus came to make that particular man that was hopeless and disregarded. He came to make him something. Because the word lighten, as I shared, is laying bare and making naked, a disclosure of truth. So that means there was that description of a man without Jesus. That he's lost, he's darkened, alienated from the life of God. He's, las- he's caught up in lasciviousness. He's given up to lust and to fleshly desires and ignorant of God and he's distant from the life of God. But Jesus said, I am coming to disclose. The truth about this person it means that nature was not the true nature of God's intent for man but it was a nature that was fallen that was on man a nature that was given to sin and to uh, to to, to a life that is filled with immorality and decay but Jesus said I am coming to light and that is I'm coming to disclose the reality about that man of the reality about that woman I'm coming to disclose I'm coming to make a manifestation and an appearance of who that person is I am coming to reveal that person because the reality of them could be withdrawn and hidden but I am coming to make it appear and make it visible hallelujah praise the Lord it's an uncovering a laying bare making naked a disclosure of truth, instruction concerning divine things before unknown. Ah, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I can use the simplest example of my life. Let me use my life. If, if Jesus didn't come to do this work, to lighten me up, who I was a Gentile, to disclose the true nature of the person that I'm supposed to be, I don't think that I would be alive today. Because what the identity of darkness had imprinted in my personality was that I was supposed to be a rebel. I was supposed to be lost. So what would I have been? What would I have been doing? Maybe I would have been dead. I would have been in prison because I faced that particular reality right before my eyes. But luckily I got out. I would have been caught up in maybe sickness or disease. So that means, because I had classmates in school, I had guys, some of the guys I was hanging out with, some of them are already dead and gone. There was one friend of mine, he was like the brightest guy in our school, but the guy used to be a criminal. Used to be a criminal. And his elder brothers were like hardened criminals. They were operating guns. Like serious. You know those guys, back in those days, the guys who used to like do kajakings and take those cars to other countries. Those were the stories he told us about his elder brothers and those stories that were known. So he grew up and he saw his brothers and he got into that life. And one day he was shot dead. And the bullets hit his face, we couldn't even tell his face. And that guy was dead and gone. We went to the club, drank and listened to some music as we mourned him one night and then we had moved on. And that life was just wasted like that. Nobody will ever know the potential of that life. Similarly, it could have happened to me, it could have happened to you, that my life would have disappeared and perished. And to this day, people would have moved on with their lives and there would have never been anything to talk about my life. But because Jesus came to lighten, to lighten me up, in those early days when Jesus saved me, when Jesus saved me in my 20s, all the years that were spent going for missions in different parts of this country, as a young man going to preach the gospel, it would have looked like it was a life of vanity. Because why was I doing preaching the gospel? I would have been clubbing and partying and doing all these things as other young people would do. But I gave myself to do the work of God. And to this day, I walk sometimes into a pharmacy. Somebody says, hey, you warned me to Christ many years ago. From this, The other day I walked into a pharmacy and somebody said, when I was in void you came and preached the gospel. And I believed Jesus. I thank God for you. That you changed my life now you see there was the potential for me to show men Jesus and they come to know Christ and their life to have to, to find meaning but that will never have happened if I was still in darkness I would have never preached the gospel as a matter of fact maybe what I will have done was destroy more lives maybe I would have impregnated several women and I would have been a deadbeat dad that is not revealing Christ or any good any any goodness of his purpose right I would have been destroying lives because sometimes what we have done, we have destroyed more lives than good. There are people who have destroyed many lives. They have taken advantage of people. You have robbed them. You see, wealth is not just a description of truly revealing the purpose because there are wealthy men who have defrauded families. Praise God. Beloved, you don't know the impact of some of the decisions people make. You know, when I looked at the downfall of one of the major stores in this country, some of you remember it. It had a red color. You know that store where we used to do our fast services? You remember that particular brand where we did our fast services, where we used to meet? You know, when you look at the people who work there and you hear their stories, because of some people's greed and they sold off this particular store and made money for themselves, there are children who maybe they were living somewhere and they moved back to the slums because their parents had no job. There are marriages that broke. There are children that lost opportunities in life because they never could they could never go to certain schools because the salaries of these people were taken away, they lost their jobs, they were retrenched, a whole industry came crumbling down because of a man's greed. You might be walking around so wealthy, but what you have done to families and to children is so powerful that it impacts them to this very day. Because there are people who have never recovered. Someone was giving me a story of um, one major industry in uh, Webuye. And that with the time it came crumbling down, some people to this day, there were a lot of people who died out of shock. Because it was a big company in this country. It, it's like when you went there, you went into a, you, you, you didn't believe that you were in such a county. But when it came crumbling down, People caught depression. Some people died of stress because they had taken loans and everything, and they died. So you can imagine those children are growing up without parents, present. And what their, what does their life become? Because of a man's greed. Because of a man's greed. Because of people's agenda. They now say that in, in the Gaza, in the Gaza area, there have been over 10,000 deaths, or even 11,000. Because of individual greed. Because when when... When you send out young people to carry guns and kill people, there is an ideology that is being communicated by a man, feeding them that hatred. And it doesn't matter which side you're on. There are children that are suffering. There are deaths that are happening. That means that life is not manifesting the good that God intended to be manifested through a life. Praise God. And we see the nations of the world with the kind of war that they are engaged in. For us who are distant, we look at it and we say, oh, look at that war. And we complain. The simple things we complain about those wars is that, are you saying the price of flour is going up because of that war? That's the thing we talk about, but there are kids who are dying. There are kids who are, have parents that have been bombed and they are dead because of men not manifesting the purpose. So Jesus said that he's coming to reveal the good. He's coming to reveal the true nature of what he created us for. Similarly, Satan desires to manifest his selfishness and evil works through men. So the scripture says, remember dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. And used them to bring nothing. Bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. It means that the callings of God are by grace. The callings of God are by grace. And he looked upon us and said, I will call you. I will choose you. And I will use you to be a blessing to nations. It doesn't matter... The background of where you come from, it doesn't matter how little or how useless you think you may have been, in the world's eyes, you may not have been significant. And that is why I was telling you when God calls you, if you think you are significant in the world's eyes, you can never transfer the same fame and the same power that you have in the world to the kingdom of God. It never works that way. You don't transfer it. You don't transfer it. You can't, just because you had fame in the world, You're thinking now you can come to the kingdom and all of a sudden you can transfer the same kind of influence. It never works that way. I'm telling you, you can be the most famous person and you can come and do the work of God and you can find you have two members. You can find two members. I don't know of a man who transferred the same fame. If you really embrace God and you let go of that fame, you won't carry all that to the world. In the things of God, no, you can never transfer it it is by the spirit. It is by the spirit. Unless you use that fame, that works of darkness, and you will never be able to transform those people's lives by the spirit of God. That's why you can never transfigure With the things of God, you begin from ground. As Bishop Adoya told us, when Moses decided to fulfill God's plan before its time, when he was a prince. Do you know what the Bible says about Moses in the book of Acts? The Bible says that Moses was mighty in his words in Egypt. He was mighty in his words. If you don't know about the history of Egypt and uh, when they talk about the nations of Africa, Kush and everything, that's where education came from. It's argued a lot of education came from there. So Moses was trained in the Egyptian ways. This man was a pharaoh. He had that education to be raised up as a pharaoh. He had that education, he had that knowledge, and he had power and an ability to command. But after 40 years, the man told God, I am a stammerer. I can't talk. Have you ever thought about it? The man that was bold in Egypt, when he met God after 40 years, he said, I I am a stammerer. I need a spokesman. I need somebody to help me. That means God stripped him of all that fame, that glory of Egypt, stripped him of all of it for him to be fit for the purpose of God. Hallelujah. For him to be fit. So sometimes we complain. We complain about different seasons. But maybe God is just stripping you so you can be ready. These experiences, they keep sharpening you. So you can be ready for his work. You know, there's a certain thing that God takes you through. That the day now you are handling a lot of power or resources. You are the most humble person. People wonder how. But they don't know what God has taken you through. But sometimes you can easily, you know... (laughs) You can become a pastor or you can be very arrogant and you wonder why. You, you see, those things are not just, listen, they just don't disappear from you. You have to, there are lessons that God has to teach you. There are lessons that God has to take you through. When you see a man is humble, he just didn't wake up and decide to be humble. There are lessons that God has taken you through. Things you have seen and God has broken you. And now when God is lifting you and God is using you, you are so humble. It's God who takes you through those lessons. Hallelujah. He takes you through them. So in the eyes of the world, you may have been considered something. Or you may not have been something. But when it comes to the callings of God, he does not consider your past or your accolades. That's why Paul said, Paul was among the most studious of his generation, the Pharisees. And he said he considers everything as dung. And rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Beloved, cooperate, cooperate with God. The more you keep getting, you feel like things are hard, just cooperate with him. And as we yield ourselves, we know for a certain thing that his lifting is beautiful. And when he lifts us up, we will be a sweet-smelling aroma. Ah, we will be a sweet smell. ah, we will be smelling nice. We will be pleasant. We will be pleasant. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes I I talk to fellow colleagues and you hear people telling you about, ah, that pastor is so arrogant. I say, it's because there's certain things that, you know, God has not taken you through. When God has taken you through those things, you just humble. And you wonder why. Because God knows the work that he's doing. Praise God. But now the Bible says, people who are nothing, the Bible says... But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you shall show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then he says, which in time past were not a people. So you were not a people previously before you became this royal priesthood, as we were told by bishop, king-priest, before you became the king-priest. You were not a people. But now you are the people of God. You, Which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. So before that, you were nobody. You were not a people. Yes, you could have been loaded with millions. But in the eyes of God, you were not a people. You were not a people. You were not a people in the eyes of God. You know, I was really thinking about you know, the excuses people give. Why do you need Christ? Because there are nations that are really prosperous. They are filled with deep pockets. And people say, that is the solution. That is the solution. People say, that is the solution. Not this Christ. Wealth is that solution. So I saw an argument about this situation that is happening in the Middle East. And somebody asked a question. If you Muslims... Truly loved your fellow Muslims. How comes Egypt, Jordan, never opened up their borders for the Palestinians? How comes they never opened their borders? Even Syria, how comes they never opened their border? They are complaining, you're killing these people, our fellow brothers, but they never opened their borders for them. Let me tell you, the state of human nature, when the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. And corrupt, you cannot challenge the scripture, even with all kinds of pretense. You cannot, the scripture is true. Yemen is experiencing great war. And when you read the stories of Yemen, you hear the killings that are happening on the activists. And those killings are being funded by who? They are funded by the UAE and Saudi Arabia. They are funding american mercenaries to kill activists in yemen who are exposing these nations i saw those stories and i was like what do you mean there's actually conflict because you wonder how can how can this country never just solve their problem but they're actually internal interests there's so many internal interests that are happening in those lands so when the Bible you can be an you can be an emirati, you can be so wealthy, but before God, God is saying you are not a people. God is saying your life, that life you have is so useless. That's why one of the richest men, if ever there were anyone who was richer, it's argued, but some of the richest men, like Nebuchadnezzar, who had so much power, when Babylon was at its peak. That man who was so powerful that people thought he was a god, when he was humbled and he became like a mere mortal eating grass, he's testified and said that he has known that there's no other true God but only the God of heaven in the scripture. So in the natural eye, we can think that this is the epitome of it. But let me tell you, it's just a matter of time. Those lives fade away like the grass that one day is green and thrown into the barn and we forget about the memory of those people. You know, there are equalizers in this life. There are certain equalizers. Death is one of those things that reminds you that you're just a mere mortal. You're a mere mortal. It doesn't matter, you will still go back to the same ground. You still go back to the same, same ground. And so... The Bible says you are not a people, but now God has made you a people, a nation of kings and priests. Beloved, we don't know how great the plan of God is for us. You might not see it. Listen, this present life, we are only living here for 78 years. There's a the life after this world. What God has prepared for us is so great that he calls us a royal priesthood. A peculiar people that he has chosen us out of all the nations of the world. To be a people for himself. That is why we know our eternity is secured in Jesus Christ. So we were not a people, but now in God, he has made you somebody. And Jesus said that's why he came for the life of the Gentile. The Bible says he died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we now know him. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The Bible says that he has brought immortality to light. In the spirit of a man. It means that your life is so precious. That death is is not enough to stop it. that life has to continue because it's so precious beyond this realm of the physical world. That life is so precious. It is so important that it cannot be evaluated from a human point of view. You are carriers of immortality. Beyond this world, you continue to reign with Christ. While others are sinking in eternal death, you are Walking in eternal life. As they say life is spiritual. So the reality of the spirit realm is as real as this physical world. The reality of the spirit world is as real as this physical world. It's as real as this physical world. It's so real. That when we leave this one realm. We are ushered into a glorious Glorious eternity in the presence of God. While others are being ushered into a life of eternal torment and pain. That's how precious your life is to God. Amen. And so, not from a human point of view. Jesus came to reveal the worth of that life. And the worth of that life is a life that is so precious beyond this present world. To eternity. That it's a life that does not end at the point of death. It's not a life that is cut off at the point of death, but it's a life that continues in eternity in the presence of God. The Bible says that as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit for the spirit such as all things, you have the deep things of God. What God has prepared for us It has not entered the heart of man. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love them. But they are revealed by the Spirit. The natural man cannot see it. They cannot see it. You see, because the body of Christ has been moved from an eternity way of thinking, we're always thinking about this present life. What are we thinking about? The next car. Oh God, my breakthrough. I want this, I want that. We are short-sighted. Beloved, there were days when we believed the gospel. All we looked forward to was eternity. That we're going to leave this pre- This world is not my home. They used to sing. They used to say, this world is not my home. We no longer hear that kind of gospel anymore. But this world is, this life, okay, let's be practical. Unless you want to use ridiculous faith. How many more years do you think you have to live in this world? If you were to live up to old age, how many more years? Because you know sometimes we live as if the reality of death is not there. How many more years? Maybe 50? Huh? 40, right? That means that God's eternal plan for you is not limited to 30 years. It's to an eternity. The price of that life is an eternity. Not just in this present world. That's why we have to live with eternity's values in view. That's why Paul said we see the day approaching. Let us live with that mentality because it's not about this present world. But when believers become so caught up about this present world, we only think about this present world. We're thinking about this present world, this life. It's life. all, all about that. We're not living with eternity's values in view. How does it show we don't live with eternity's values in view? We can be so comfortable with people in our family who are not born again that it's not a prayer item. We can be so comfortable not even thinking of how to raise our children in the things of God. You know, when you have walked with people, one day they're here, the other day they're not there. It shows you the frailty of this life. There are people I have walked with, who I was with, we went for missions and we preached the gospel together. One day they were here, the other day they were gone. They were gone. Their Facebook account is still there. It's still there. Even their, their, their Twitter account is still there, but they're not here anymore. That's the reality. And I, I, I remember when the Spirit of God, I remember when, you know, let me when we were praying in one of the meetings, and I got a word from the Lord, and I told Jackie, the Lord is saying, the faith that cometh from above speaketh not unto this wise, who shall ascend into the heavens? And uh, we shall descend into the deep. The faith that is from above does not ask how. Does not ask why. Just believe the Lord's report. Believe the Lord's report. And I kept telling her, don't ask how. Don't ask why. Just believe the Lord's report. Believe the Lord's report. And when I was telling her that, the thing that Jackie said she was struggling with was talking to her father. Talking to her father. And I remember Lynette told her, no, Jackie. Listen, follow the instruction of the Lord. So Jackie listened to that word and she went and sat with her father. Discussed whatever they needed to discuss. If if there was reconciliation that needed to happen, healing, and in that moment she led her father to the Lord. Did she know the father did not have three months to live? Hallelujah. Praise God. Because the Lord had that desire for that soul to be saved. Do you know... You don't know, Jackie led the Father to the Lord like two or three months ago. And she was struggling, but she decided, I'm I'm, going to talk to this man. Yes, I may have had problems. I may have had challenges. I I, I remember when she testified and told me, you know, I didn't understand the Father's love. This message of grace was so hard because I'd never heard that. But she took her guts and went and shared the gospel. And the man believed in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the things that God has prepared for us, they are great things. They are lives that are tied with purpose. Praise God. So can we live with that agency? Praise God. We don't have many days to live in this life. If we need to share the gospel with a family, share the gospel with them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about his love. Let Christ reveal himself through your life. Hallelujah. The scripture says, For this cause, the prison of Jesus Christ for you, Gentiles, Paul. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me, you would. How that by the revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote for in few words, which whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. So there's a mystery that was hidden. And Paul is saying he's been given the assignment of making that mystery known. What was that mystery? The mystery is that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. The Gentiles who are no people. The Gentiles who need to be lightened up by Jesus. The Gentiles who are in obscurity and darkness, blind in their heart, distant from God, alienated from the life of God caught up in their lasciviousness and their meaningless and useless lives. He says that they are fellow heirs with Christ. Fellow heirs, that we are co-heirs with Jesus. We are partakers of the same glory as Jesus. Now Jesus is no longer the only begotten Son of God. He is the first begotten from the dead. That we all together with Him call God our Father. That's what the Bible says, He that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are all of one; therefore, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So, Jesus called his disciples my brethren when he resurrected, because they were no longer just servants; they were now brethren. They are co-heirs. So, we are fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. What is this promise? Eternal life. What is this promise? We have taken the nature of God, we are justified, we are righteous, we are accepted. God is not against you, God loves you, God cares for you, you belong to him. You hold a precious place in him. Beloved, if you are fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ, if you are fellow heirs with Jesus, why would it take a man to make you feel worthless? The Bible says you and Jesus are seated in the same place. But then you believe a man, a man that wears cotton and polyester, a man that wears normal human clothing to take you down from a place where you are seated with Jesus. Beloved, only ignorance can allow us to give men that power. No man should ever pull you down. No man should ever make you feel worthless or useless before God. I cannot do it, neither can any other man. Because the scripture validates your placing in God. No man can ever take that away from you. Beloved, nobody, no prophet, no prophet shall ever take that away or rob you of your confidence in Jesus because you're fellow heirs with Christ. That is the plan that God had. And Paul says, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me. He said, "What? what why was he made a minister? He was the least... Of all saints, but he was given grace, that he should preach among the Gentiles the unsuchable riches of Christ. What the Gentiles, who are no people, have now received is unsuchable riches in Jesus. These Gentiles who were useless, what useless lives, their lives were worthless, they have unsuchable riches in Christ. And the Bible says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God who created all things by Jesus to the intent that now listen to this unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God what is what does this statement mean the church shows the manifold wisdom of God to angels and demons they look at man and they see the wisdom of God and they are like, oh my goodness, this God. Do you know that? The Bible says these are things which angels even longed to look into. They, that's why they ask, who is man that you are mindful of him? So for angels to understand grace, for angels to understand love, for angels to understand this wisdom of God, they look at man and they see this man, this man that is acceptable, To challenges, this man that is weak, this man that we are serving, this man, this one, is the one that God has decided to make his home. (laughs) It, It baffles them. These men are the ones that God has decided to make them the object of his love. To make them the object of his affection. To make them the object of all his investment, man, who was useless, who was worthless. The angels look at us, earthly beings, and they wonder, why is God so invested in this man? The church displays the manifold wisdom of God, the church displays the grace of God, the goodness of God, things which le- angels look into and they are like, oh my goodness, this God is magnificent, this God is great. Man is the object of God's love. Isaiah 60 verse 15 says, Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, I will make thee an eternal excellency and a joy of many generations. I will make you an eternal excellency and a joy of many generations. And a joy of many generations. A joy of many generations. A joy of many generations. generations. Hallelujah praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord I usually say sometimes you never know the value of Christ you never know the value of his love and affection until when you don't have it and the reality is these things cannot be answered by anything that the world tries to make it look like it an answer. They cannot be answered. There used to be a sitcom called The Rich Also Cry. If you remember it. Soap opera, The Rich Also Cry. How many of you remember it many years ago, in the 90s? But it was just to show you that despite whatever status you're in, you can also be depraved of joy and gladness. Beloved, In the line of ministry, I have seen it all. I have seen it all. There was a time we went to minister to another woman. The woman owns (laughs) some ships in Mombasa. Are they called ships or ferries or boats? (laughs) You know when you own some of those two? Wealthy. Wealthy. But she said, come and pray because my children are in rehab. And when we went to that house, I'm telling you, I saw the emptiness. I saw the emptiness. We went with uh, the guy, Apostle Boaz, the guy we saw yesterday. We went with him to pray in that house. And you could see the emptiness. There are things this world and this money cannot answer for these children. It cannot answer for them. It cannot answer for them. You go to different places, different situations, and you discover there are things, the absence of His presence, the absence of Jesus, beloved. There are things that cannot be answered. There are things that cannot be answered by this. But God has chosen us to be an eternal excellence. It means the life that is in Christ is precious beyond this present world. The life that is in Christ is precious. I say this because I have tasted an experience and I can compare it, I was brought up in a pretty privileged life. I never knew this, you know it's interesting, now I am called to school about six school fees, but I was never called to school about school fees. (laughs) It's funny, right? I was never, it was a pretty decent life. Never known these problems of, you know, a meal, clothes, anything, never known, never known any of those problems at all. We never knew them. But I remember even when I was not born again, I used to go home and I used to feel unhappy because there was no God in that home. There was no God. There was no God. And the doors we opened up, we opened up very funny doors in our family. We opened up occultic, or is it witchcraft doors and everything? And I think those two demons were trying to think, this is the one that there's actually something about his life. This one is going to be a preacher. Let's finish this one. So my life was the most chaotic one. <laughs> Mine was the most troubling one. Maybe, maybe they were just begging for my blood. Eh? But I remember after seeing all that experience and the emptiness that came with it, the vow that I made in my heart is I want a home that is godly. That's what I said. I want a home that is godly. I want a home that is filled with love. I want a godly wife. I want a godly home. I, I kept saying that and I... I, I wanted that and I see now and I rejoice you know sometimes I sit at home with my wife and I say hey surely we are blessed my wife like we are happy we are joyful we are okay like what are the things people care for anyone I mean ask anyone here you know there are certain prophetic things that you don't use the prophetic for if I come here and I say somebody here is believing God for money lift up your hand hallelujah the spirit of God kill him to so obvious everyone wants money so we waste our prophetic for certain things that are not really making sense. Somebody's believing God for money here. You go to a church you say somebody's believing God for a husband. Of course, there will be people who are single. But I was telling my wife, we are, we are happy. We have joy. You know, when I see my son cannot sleep before you pray, he can. He, if you put him to bed, he just says pray. He was even telling uh, one of our. House managers, you need to know how to speak in tongues because that's how I sleep. Saying you need to know how to speak in tongues. I want you to know how to speak in tongues so I can sleep. So when we start praying, he just sleeps. He enjoys the presence of God. He tells me, Daddy, put for me that instrumental UIR where he listens to it and he sleeps. These are things I never had, And I understand the kills that were in my life. So beloved, building a legacy around Jesus is beautiful. Hallelujah. And we know now what Jesus came to reveal through our lives. He came to reveal the beauty and the workings of his grace. So that your life can be surrounded by his beauty and grace. That beauty and grace, you cannot put a price on it. You cannot buy it, beloved. You cannot buy it with money. It's too expensive. Money can't afford it. So the things that Jesus is revealing through your lives, that's It may have been a life that was supposed to be obscure, but now it's a life that is filled with eternal excellencies. That shows his plan for you. The beauty of Christ revealed in your life and to be seen by all men, to be seen in your family and in your generations. Hallelujah. To be seen in your home, to be seen in all you do, the beauty of Christ, the manifestation of his love, the manifestation of his goodness the manifestation of his glory in all your undertakings, so that men can look upon you and they can rejoice because your life is beautiful hallelujah your life is beautiful people when they talk to you they feel they have been blessed they feel they have been refreshed because your mouth is a fountain of life there's goodness and there's joy in you hallelujah